I'm excited about what's going to happen at the end of our worship service here this morning. Uh, there are going to be two baptisms at the end of our worship service. So I'm really excited that we're here together, that we're going to be able to witness two people put on their Lord in baptism. So I want to go ahead and give you your identity challenge right now. So your identity challenge is to seek out and meet and welcome your new sister and your new brother in Christ before you leave the building today. Make sure you do that. I challenge every single one of you to do that. Just overwhelm your new brother and sister with the love of this family. Welcome them to Netherwood and welcome them to the body of Christ. Well, we're going to talk today about security. And let's start our final sermon in our Identity Sermon series by defining the word secure. The word secure. You are secure when you have ease of mind, when you aren't worried, when you aren't uncertain, when you are confident about what is to come. And you are secure when you are assured in your expectations, your expectations of your future, when you really have no doubts about what is to come. It's been several years now. It was a Sunday morning. It was after worship service. Like you, I can't remember exactly what I talked about that morning, but I can remember about what happened after my talk. I was back in the foyer, I was shaking hands, I was giving hugs, I was meeting and greeting, exchanging pleasantries with a variety of people, but I could tell that she was waiting to talk to me. She had gray hair, glasses, using a walker, and we had known each other for a long time, for at least 30 years. And not only had I known her for a long time, I had admired her for a long time. She was someone whose obituary and eulogy would be sprinkled liberally with words that reflected the values of the fruits of the Spirit. She was loving. She was joyful. She was peaceful. She was patient. She was kind. She was good. She was faithful. She was gentle. She had self-control. But that morning, I could tell something was bothering her. She wasn't herself. I knew something was bothering her, but I was really surprised at what it was. Our conversation went something like this. She said, Walter, I'm scared. I said, well, what are you afraid of? And she said, well, I'm afraid that I haven't been good enough. She said, I'm afraid I haven't done enough. And she said, and now that I'm older, it doesn't seem like I'm doing anything at all. So I'm afraid. I I doubt that I'm going to end up in heaven. I wasn't ready for that. It broke my heart then. It breaks my heart now. That this wonderful child of God, this precious saint... This woman that reflected all of the fruits of the Spirit didn't feel secure in her future. It broke my heart that she didn't have ease of mind, that she wasn't confident, that she wasn't assured in her expectation of her future, her eternal future with her God. And the best I could offer her then was, you may have doubts, but I have no doubt 
at all. And I've thought about that conversation a lot over the years. And I've thought about other and similar conversations I've had with similar people at similar stages of life over the years. And as I think back on those conversations, I'm convinced that we have a security problem here in the church. So I want to pose a security question this morning to the church. And I want to see if we can come up with an answer. The security question I want to pose is this. Is it possible for those who are in Christ, is it possible for Christians, is it possible for you and is it possible for me to be secure and confident? To have no doubts about our eternal destination. Is that possible? And I think I have to start answering that question by First, taking a quick look at a popular and what I believe is a misguided concept that many religious groups and many religious people put forth in their effort to make people feel secure about their future. And the problem with this concept is that it does offer people security, but that security is false security. You might have heard of this concept referred to as once saved, always saved, or maybe eternal security. And the scripture that's most often put forth to support the concept of eternal security or once saved, always saved, comes from the, the Gospel of John. It comes from words spoken by Jesus. I want you to listen to those words. Listen to them carefully, John 10, verse 27. Jesus said, My sheep listen to my voice. I know them, and they follow me. I give them eternal life, and they shall never perish. No one can snatch them out of my hand. No one can snatch them out of my hand. Those are Jesus' words. Those are comforting words. No one can snatch my sheep No one can snatch my disciples. No one can snatch my followers out of my hand. Those words bring comfort and they should bring comfort. But those same words have unfortunately been used in a a way that brings a misrepresentation to what Jesus is really saying. They bring false security. See, to teach that once you are saved, you are always saved... That there is nothing that can be done and there's nothing that you can do that would put your eternal security at risk. Isn't paying attention to what Jesus really says. Those true words from Jesus have been misapplied to teach the fallacy that a one-time believing experience, that a moment of faith that accepting Jesus into your heart or even being baptized in water will produce and provide eternal and, listen to this, unconditional security. It's easy to see why that's attractive, right? We all seek security. We're all looking for assurance that everything's going to be okay. None of us want to be standing back in the foyer someday waiting to talk to the preacher with doubts in our mind. And so the idea that once saved, I'm always unconditionally secure is attractive. But it simply isn't true. 
Now, don't get me wrong. What Jesus said is absolutely true. No one can snatch you out of Jesus' hand. Satan can't snatch you. Evil spirits can't snatch you. Evil people can't snatch you. No one can snatch one of Jesus' sheep from his hand. But you can put yourself out of his hand. You can leave his hand. Just like the parable of the lost sheep, you can go from being a secure sheep in the hand of Jesus to a lost sheep who's lost their security. Who needs to once more be found? That's why later on in John, Jesus says, Remain in me, and I will remain in you. You see, there's a condition to our security, isn't there? We must remain in Jesus' hand. And if we do remain in his hand, he will remain in us. Paul put it this way in Colossians chapter 1. He said, once you were alienated from God and you were enemies in your minds because of your evil behavior. And Paul's saying, once you were outside of Jesus' hand. But now he has reconciled you by Christ's physical body through death to present you holy in his sight. Without blemish and free from accusation. He's saying that Jesus died on the cross to allow those of us who call on him as our Lord and Master to rest securely in his hand. But Paul says there's a condition. You can rest securely in Jesus' hand if you continue in your faith. Established and firm, not moved from the hope held out in the gospel. There's a condition to our security. We must continue in our faith. You see, it's once saved by faith and continually saved by faith. Let me give you one more example, also from Paul in 1 Corinthians chapter 15. Paul writes, Brothers and sisters, I want to remind you of the gospel I preached to you, by which you received and on which you have taken your stand. By this gospel you are saved. If you hold firmly to the word I preach to you, otherwise you have believed in vain. There are security issues, aren't there? They're conditional. They're conditions to our security. You see, we must hold on to Christ's hand firmly. If we let go of his hand, if we let go of our faith, if we let go of our faith in his death and his burial and resurrection, we'll fall out of his hand. There's no power on earth. There's no power in the heavens that can snatch us from his hand. But we can put ourselves out of his hand by letting go of our faith. Letting go of our faith in his nail-pierced hands. So you need to know that the idea of once saved, always saved can give you a feeling of security, but that's a false sense of security. And there's a lot more that I could say about once saved, always saved. If you want to discuss it more, I invite you to, to do that with me. I'll be glad to sit down with you and talk more about it. But I want to move on from that concept. I want to move on from that concept because I have the feeling 
and I'm pretty sure I'm right, that most of us here don't struggle with a false sense of security. No, instead, I'm pretty confident that most of us struggle with the same thing my friend in the foyer struggled with. And that's a false sense of insecurity. I think deep down, many of us believe in something I'll call once saved, maybe saved. And never secure. We're like this guy on the tightrope. We believe that our walk with Christ has been in a constant state of peril, right? We're just one slip away from disaster. From eternal disaster. We're walking the tightrope, worried that if we don't do enough, if we miss just one opportunity, if we aren't good enough, if we fail one time, if we run out of time, we'll be left out of God's hand for all time. We spend life on that tightrope thinking that if we haven't made enough deposits into our spiritual bank account, then God will have no choice but to dump us from his hand. So we live on a tightrope in fear, never secure, never confident, never assured that we're actually safe in God's hand. And I want you to know that when we live in fear like that, we cheapen God's grace we misrepresent God's character. Let me give you some truths. The truth is you will never do enough. And you will never be good enough to earn God's grace. In fact, if you did enough and you were good enough to earn his grace, if you actually deserved God's grace, then it wouldn't even be grace, would it? See, the truth is God went to extraordinary lengths. He paid a very dear price to put you in his hand and to keep you in his hand. And he won't let any power snatch you from his hand. The truth is, if you are in Christ, you are secure in Christ. And if you remain in Christ, you will remain secure in Christ. You also need to know that if you leave his hand and then come back to Christ, you're welcomed right back into God's secure hand. That's God's promise. That's God's guarantee. So I want you to to listen to God's word. I want you to let God's word give you true confidence, give you true assurance, take you off the type rope and put you right into the security of God's hand. Romans chapter 8. Paul says, therefore, there is now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. Because through Christ Jesus, the law of the spirit of life set us free from the law of sin and death. Matthew chapter 10. And Jesus says, he who stands firm to the end, listen to the promise, will be saved. 2 Corinthians chapter 5. Paul says, now it is God who has made us for this very purpose and has given us the spirit as a deposit, guaranteeing what is to come. Therefore, we are always confident 
And know that as long as we are home in the body, we are away from the Lord. We live by faith, not by sight. First Peter 1, Peter says, Praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. In his great mercy, he has given us new birth into a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead and into an inheritance that can never perish, never spoil, never fade. It's kept in heaven for you. Kept in heaven for you who through faith are shielded by God's power until the coming of the salvation that is ready to be revealed in the last time. And in this you greatly rejoice. Though now for a little while you may have had to suffer grief in all kinds of trials. These trials have come so that your faith of greater worth than gold may be proved genuine and may result in praise, glory, and honor when Jesus Christ is revealed. Though you have not seen him, you love him. And even though you do not see him now, you believe in him and are filled with an inexpressible and glorious joy. Why are you filled with an inexpressible and glorious joy? It's because you are receiving the goal of your faith, the salvation of your souls. And finally, John says this in 1 John chapter 2. He says, my dear children, I write this to you so that you will not sin. But if anyone does sin, we have one who speaks to the Father in our defense, Jesus Christ, the righteous one. You need to know there's no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. You need to know that if you stand firm to the end, you will be saved. You need to know that God has given you his spirit as a deposit guaranteeing what is to come. You need to know that in Christ, you are receiving the goal of your faith. You're right now receiving the salvation of your soul. And you also need to know that right now, Jesus Christ is speaking to God the Father in your defense. And that isn't false security. And that isn't false insecurity. That's our true security. You can be secure. You can get off of the tightrope and crawl right into Jesus' hand knowing that God is faithfully keeping his promises to you in Christ. So to answer the question, I want you to know that it is possible for those of us who are in Christ to be secure, to be confident, to have no doubt about our eternal destination. It's possible for us to have true security. So you don't have to be standing on the tightrope, and you don't have to be standing in the foyer of the church in fear afraid that you haven't done enough or that you haven't been good enough or that you don't even have time enough. You just need to look at where you're standing. You need to observe how you are sealed. You need to see where you are walking. Let me leave you with three scriptures. First from 2 Corinthians chapter 1. 
Now it is God who makes both us and you stand firm in Christ. He anointed us, set a seal of ownership on us, and put his spirit in our hearts as a deposit, guaranteeing what is to come. Next from Galatians chapter 5. The fruit of the spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. And finally, from 1 John chapter 2. We know that we have come to know him if we obey his commands. The man who says, I know him, but does not do what he commands is a liar and the truth is not in him. But if anyone obeys his word, God's love is truly made complete in him. This is how we know we are in him. Whoever claims to live in him must walk as Jesus did. So my brothers and sisters, my brothers and sisters in Christ, you can know without a doubt. You can know that you are secure in Christ by looking where you are standing. If your foundation is Jesus Christ. And brothers and sisters, you can have assurance that your faith is secure can know your faith is secure if your obituary could be liberally sprinkled with the fruits of the Spirit. And you can be confident in your salvation if you're walking like Jesus did in obedience to his God. And that's who we were made to be. That's who you were made to be. So in Christ. Who are you? Here's the truth. The truth is, if you are in Christ, you are securely at home. You're securely at home in Jesus' hand. Let's pray. Father, we are confident. We are confident in you. Father, we have no doubts. We have no doubts about you. And Father, because we are in Christ, we know we are secure in your hand. So, Father, we ask that you bless us with your peace. And it's in the name of Jesus we pray. Amen. Let's end by standing and singing. Let's sing a song of victory. Victory that our, our assurance, our, our salvation has been secured in Jesus Christ. Let's stand and sing.